1: I want you to imagine something. As we stand right now in the United States of America, you wake up this morning and you find out every single business in the country is for sale. Everyone, big businesses, small businesses, don't worry about who's selling them. Don't worry about any of that. They're all up for sale. I'm talking Amazon is up for sale. The local mom and pop shop up for sale. Yahoo, Google, the oil companies, every single privately owned business is for sale tomorrow overnight. What does that look like for you in your life? What does it look like for the future of the nation? Well, let me give you a rough idea, since you don't really have to guess. This actually happened. And it happened when the Soviet Union fell. You see, when the Soviet Union fell, this is all under Gorbachev stuff. When they decided, all right, we're not, we're not communist anymore, which is a good thing. We would all agree, right? It's communism. Nobody really wins there. But they decided, look, we obviously, we're not communist anymore. So there's not a state owned anything. And that is tough for us to even wrap our minds around, right? A state owned everything, but Everything, and I do mean everything, was state owned. Local bar, state owned. Grocery store, state owned. Big businesses, small businesses, state owned. Isn't that insane to even think about? Well, that was reality. That was reality. So how do you properly transition a country, a big country like Russia, from a place where everything is state-owned to where everything is privately owned? Well, I don't know that there is a good way. And this is what I mean by that. Do you know what would happen if you and I woke up Tomorrow morning and everything in the United States of America was for sale. Well, the rich guys would just buy up every single thing. Every single thing. And let's not consider them to be idiots. They they knew this was going to happen as well. And so what did they do in Russia? They issued Things like vouchers to people, everybody, like every Russian citizen. Well, here, no, here's, here's, I forget what, pick a number. Here's $20,000. All right, there's 20 grand for you, but you have to buy a business or buy into a business or buy some stock into something with something, right? We want to make this fair. I mean, they knew what was coming. They were trying to avoid what was coming, but what would happen if you gave each and every citizen right now, same situation, $20,000 only they have to spend it on vouchers or stocks. Well, the rich guys would just buy the vouchers from people for pennies on the dollar. Oh, I'm sorry, producer Chris. You don't know where to spend your $20,000 in vouchers. That's fine. Hey, I'll tell you what. I'll give you $5,000 cold, hard cash right now that you can spend on anything you want, and you give me your $20,000 in vouchers. Do you think a nation in the middle of starvation, of financial turmoil, do you think there was a big market out there for people just selling their vouchers off to the rich people? Oh, Oh, yes, there was. Yes, there was. And remember the kind of world the Soviet Union was. Hard, very, very hard for us to wrap our minds around, so let's take just a little bit of time with this. When everything is state-owned, somebody's still going to make a profit. That's how life works. And I don't think you or I could ever possibly relate to completely existing in a society that is only corrupt there is no justice anywhere you look everything is corrupt and you morally you have to decide what is right and what is wrong even within your belief system let's say let's say you're a christian plenty of christians in russia Well, I don't know about your Bible. My Bible's pretty, pretty specific about things like stealing. Real specific. Chris, I bet you and you people are against that, right? Now, what if that's the only way you could get toilet paper? Okay, let's not even call it stealing. Let me paint this picture for you because this was real. This is how people lived in Russia under the under the commies because it was state run everything that everybody was always out of everything. No one ever had anything and you had to essentially buy your common goods, common everything you needed on an illegal black market. Now what do your morals tell you you're allowed to do in that situation? I'm not talking about going down to the street corner to get black tar heroin. I'm talking about going down to the street corner to get medicine for your child's fever. Some ketchup. Not making that up. Shoes. A winter coat. It's cold out. Oh, all the state-run stores are sold out. You have to go do illegal deals for these basic items. And trade. Of course, there is... You can't ever stop the sale of things people want. That's why black markets are so prevalent all over the world. The second you make something illegal, unless you've stopped the appetite for it, it's just going to go black market. Only in the Soviet Union, I've read a million of these stories, you would have to trade things for something like getting your heater fixed in the wintertime in Russia. Now, Your heater goes out here in Houston in the wintertime, you're going to need an extra blankie, maybe, at night. Your heater goes out in Russia in the wintertime, you're dead. So you need that heater fixed, right? Well, I have great news. Good news is this is not going to cost you a dime because the state owns all of it and everybody should have this for free. That's the good news. The bad news, of course, is you are like 95th on the list. We will probably see you in two or three months. Better bundle up. Well, that's not gonna work, is it? So they would they would trade things like food, like home-cooked meals. It was not at all uncommon. If the old lady could do some cooking, to have that be your family's currency to get basics done. Gotta get the heater fixed? Honey? Fire up the goulash. It's true. It's what it's like. So again, back to what I was saying, what are you comfortable with morally? And imagine dealing with that. And plus the businesses that exist, it's always some guy who knew a guy, some higher up in the communist party. Let's say he runs the local, he runs the local grocery store. Well, what's really happening there? I'll explain in just a sec. Raycon earbuds are an absolute life changer. If you consume audio at all, at all, buy some of these things. Now, I'm a little different, and that's all I do is listen to audio. When I'm not doing it myself, I'm listening to it, whether that be music, whether it be audiobooks, whether it be podcasts. I always have these things in my ears listening to something, and that's one of the best things about it. The charge lasts forever. They said six hours. It's supposed to last six hours I know I've beaten that number before. These things are comfortable. They sound crystal clear. And maybe, most importantly, they're small. I don't want big, ugly, gaudy-looking earbuds out there. These things practically fit all the way in your ear. Go to buyraycon.com slash jesse. That's buyraycon.com slash jesse. That gets you 15% off your order. Jesse Kelly, back soon. So you have the local grocery store and it's state run, right? Well, it's actually run by a dude. Obviously going to be a dude with some connections in the communist party. Probably daddy's a commie. Mommy's a commie. Uncle's a commie. Lets me run the commie store. Well, you and I know how this works. He's not doing his good little Soviet thing and just running that grocery store for the, you know, 20 ruples or what, what's the, what's the Russian money? Chris, is it ruples, rubles, ruples? Rubles with a B? Let's call them rubies. Wait, that's India? There's an actual rubies? Oh, that's sweet. All right, rubles. All right, I told you I don't do research for their, Well, He's not doing He's not. Either way, the grocery store manager's not doing his little good grocery store manager thing and just making 50 rubles a month. He's going to get a little kickback, isn't he? And why is he going to get a little kickback? Why is he going to take a little money off the top? Well, here's how this works. Organized crime. You know I'm obsessed with it. I'm a dude. I am. Keep in mind those gigantic, absurdly powerful cartels we love to talk about so much on the show. Brandon Darby our resident cartel expert flat out came on and said, oh, oh, Russia, Russia's organized crime is bigger. It's it's the biggest in the world. Now, how could that be? Why would Russia's organized crime be so big and so powerful? And they are, there are story after story after story of them coming in areas where there's already established organized crime and taking over. How's that possible? Well, This is how it's possible. You see, they existed clear back under the czars, and then Russia had a communist revolution where the commies took over. And here's the funny thing about communism, police states, and things like that. Yes, they're horrific, absolutely horrific. Nobody would ever want to live under such a regime. But if you have to say something nice about them, they're actually very hard on crime. There's very little, especially street crime in like North Korea. Now, granted, you'd, you don't want to live there, but if you got to say something nice, there's very little of it. And why is that? It's because those guys, guys in, in government, guys in charge of an all powerful government, they're not going to share power with you. Benito Mussolini's famous for this. He came into power. And he didn't even hardly start arresting all the Italian mafia guys. He just started killing them all. Stalin, as you can imagine, not exactly warm and fuzzy on organized crime. Stalin and the people who came after him were very hard on Russian organized crime. And so what happened? One, they got to be very, 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 very smart very sharp with how they do their business. That's one. Two, they really began to hone their skills in the gulags, in the communist gulags. And they, again, this will be hard for you and I to get because we don't live in this environment. They called themselves thieves and not in any way as a bad thing. In fact, if you would work your way up to become one of the Russian organized crime bosses, you were called a thief in law. That's what you were called. And there is a code. And I think it's like 20 items, maybe 15 items. There is an honor code among the thieves. And it is, it's, it's like its own religion. You will teach the next generation of thieves how to properly be a thief. Now, that sounds absurd to you and I, but again, you and I didn't grow up under this kind of government where you have to steal or you don't survive. Russian organized crime is so powerful and so advanced because they cut their teeth under the commies. Now back to the grocery store guy. What this has to do with the grocery store guy is this. Well, the Russian organized crime guy is still going to want a little cut of that business. That's how they do business. Hate for something to happen to your grocery store even though it's state run. So he's not an idiot. He's just going to go cut a deal with the manager. Here's the deal. Instead of reporting... 90,000 rubles a month in profit. You're going to report 80,000 rubles a month in profit, and then you're going to take five, and you're going to give me five. Now, what I just gave you is one simple example, a true example, and that was all of the Soviet Union. All of it. How do you even wrap your mind around that? They tell stories I forget which one I was listening to. They tell stories about a market, an illegal market that existed under that regime, the size of a football stadium, and most of it's underground. Imagine you're back to school shopping, which you're undoubtedly about to do. Imagine instead of running down to the local Target, Walmart, whatever it may be, you get the kiddos out. Throw some, throw some shoes and socks on and whatever you can afford, and you go for a walk down a couple blocks down the sidewalk, and then you see this set of stairs, almost like it's leading down to a subway, and you take the kiddos without a second thought and you walk them right down to the bottom of the stairs, lead your way through a couple tunnels, and boom, you find yourself in a gigantic underground area where everything is being sold from cocaine and hookers to back to school pencils and pens. No, Chris, no, it doesn't sound awesome. All right, it actually does sound awesome, but that's not, it's not, we're not talking about that right now. But imagine that that's that's not something from the movies. That's how people lived millions of them, and that's just how you grew up. Now, what impression does that make on you morality-wise if you're a child? Because you're having these talks with your parents. I, I, ch- children are curious. You know, Mommy, why are we going down here? Because there's nothing at the government stores, sweetie. We have to come down and get these or else you won't have back-to-school clothes. Oh, okay. Now, what, what kind of mentality does that put into your head as a child about official authority, police, the government in general. It's part of the reason they're so advanced when it comes to crime. Oh, and did I mention? Once that Soviet Union broke up, once the commies were gone, guess what else happened? Do you know what else happened? Well, let me ask you this. If America fell or broke up, as I want to do, if America broke up into three or four different countries tomorrow, what do you think would happen with the United States military? Obviously, you would have to assume it would get split up, right? This country's this part, this former part of the U.S. is going to take that much and these guys are going to take that much. Ooh, they got an extra aircraft carrier. That's nice. And th- these guys are going to take that. But, but do you think, say, the budget, let's call it a trillion dollars. Do you think that it's not a trillion, but let, let's call it a trillion dollars. Make it a nice round number we can all understand now. Let's say the American military budget is a trillion dollars, and then the America breaks up. What happens? Hang on. Do I sound a little extra peppy today? No, I did not have an extra cup of coffee. I've stopped doing that. I have an EBSleep, and you can have an EBSleep. It is not pills. It is a wearable, a wearable drug-free solution that you put on your head, and it gets you incredible sleep every single night because I know why you can't sleep. Same reason I used to not be able to sleep. You lay down at night, and you can't turn your mind off the day you just had, the day you're going to have your job, wife, kids, everything else. Go try this product. Just try it. They're going to let you try it risk-free, risk-free for 60 days. 60 days. Go get this product and watch how your entire life will change. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebbcom slash jesse. Use the promo code jesse. Twenty five bucks off. Here's the thing. If the military, United States military, broke up, what happens to all the weapons? Have you ever asked yourself that? Because that's a reality. We don't, we don't think about it because, again, mercifully, we've lived in such a modern nation for so long. It's wonderful here. Certainly not corruption-free. I'd never say anything like that, but relatively corruption-free. When our military gets rid of weapons, we either dispose of them properly or we sell them to terrorists. Oh, Saul, stop. We can bring up other stuff. Quit. But in all seriousness, okay, the United States of America just broke up. We have all this military equipment, tanks, weapons, bombs, Rockets, planes, ships. What happens to them? Some of them are going to go to the new nation for sure, but obviously the new nations are not going to have near the military budget. You're starting out. I mean, the military budgets are going to be slashed. So do you think you're going to take that nuclear submarine and put it out by the recycling bin on Wednesdays and hope they pick it up? I'm dead serious. What do you think happens to them? Well, allow me to explain because we already know. You see, when the Soviet Union broke up, all these different leaders, all these different generals, they began to churn out their own illegal goods. You're a general. You're in charge of 29 Palms military base. America breaks up, you're kind of in limbo, you're kind of getting orders, you're not in orders, you've lived, again, I'm not morally indicting these people because you've lived in a horrifically corrupt, backstabbing, murderous society your entire life, but man, this is a warehouse full of cruise missiles. You know what? I bet they don't even know or care that these are here. I do have these men under my command. I could let somebody know, or I could load all these things in the back of a truck, drive them somewhere, put the word out that that these things are on sale for $10 million apiece. Once I'm done selling them to whoever, I don't care, I'll go ahead and retire on a beach with the Swedish bikini team. And it happened all over the place. Illegal weapons all over the place. And who do you think pounced on an industry like that? The mafia. The Russian mafia. So here's where we are. The Russian mafia is now... Fabulously trained, because they had to exist under the commies. Fabulously armed. Vicious beyond belief. And they offer goods and services people want and need, because the truth is this. Post-communist collapse in Russia, it still sucked for the people in Russia, because the oligarchs, the very, very rich people in Russia... Not that many of them either bought up everything. There's a great book I would highly recommend you read on this. It's fascinating, called "Once Upon a Time in Russia." Absolutely fascinating. The levels of corruption that that it's, it's it is amazing. Complete Wild West, assassinations, everything else. The Wild West, and those worlds merged. And now, this was in the 1990s. They estimated, I forget who the FBI guy was, an FBI guy estimated that the Russian mafia ran, get this, I'm not making this number up, two-thirds of the Russian economy was run by the Russian mob. Astounding, isn't it? And from this environment, we had a man emerge. Emerge. A man named Alexander the Great. If you're looking at the radio a little confused right now, it's because it's not that Alexander the Great. I fooled you with his nickname. (laughs) That was his nickname, though. Alexander Solonik, a man you have probably never heard of before, but I wish you had because he's awesome in the absolutely horrific murderer kind of way being awesome. Look, he didn't kill me. He didn't kill anyone I know or love or anyone you know or love. But just hear me out on this. You know that I read a lot about history. I watch a lot of documentaries about history. I listen to a lot of podcasts on history. People ask me a lot. What movies do you think they should make? And I have a laundry list. You know what, Chris? We need to start a list of the movies we think they should make off these wild history stories we tell. Well, Chris said the movie 47 Ronan bombed at the box office. That's true, but just because somebody blows the telling of the story doesn't mean it shouldn't be told. It could have been good. I didn't blow the telling of the story just because they happened to screw it up. I made the story sweet. No, I did not watch the movie Forty Seven Rowan. And I, I don't. I don't. I should watch it because I love the story. I, I I honestly think I've read different accounts of it, like fifteen different accounts. So I should watch the movie. But then I'll be that guy, Chris. If I watch the movie, I'll be the guy ruining it for everybody, even though I I make it a point not to do that. I'll look to the wife and be like, "That's actually not how the original story went." And then she'll just look at me like, "I want you to die right now." And I don't blame her. I don't blame her at all. Anyway, quit distracting me, Chris. We're in the middle of we're in the middle of our great story. If I had to pick somebody they'd make a movie after, I'm not saying this guy would be number one on my list. Obviously, I'd be number one on my list. What? But this guy would be up there in the history of the world. Alexander Solonik, he is. He's a cartoon character. It doesn't seem real. And here's. Here's uh, Look, here's his story. All right? This is the story. The guy was born in 1960. All right? Still communist Russia. He's born in Siberia because, of course, he's born in Siberia. It's actually on, like, the border between Siberia and the rest of Russia. But for the purpose of my story, we're going to call it Siberia. I think it actually qualifies as that. By all accounts, this is what's wild to me has a relatively normal childhood as far as normal father, his mother, and I'm about to make a bunch of guesses here. His mother was a gymnastics coach. That's that's not a guess. But I'm going to guess that Alexander Solonik grew up in a household that, well, strict would not properly describe it. This is why I say that. My wife was a gymnast. And I don't mean like something she did on the side. She was on the Canadian national team. She got a full ride scholarship to University of Arizona and made it to nationals in that several times. Like this woman was a gymnast. And if you ask her for very long about why she was able to excel on top of all the hard work and toughness and stuff like that that comes with gymnastics, she had a Russian coach. And she will tell you Russian coaches dominate that industry for a reason. Russian gymnastics coaches are vicious beyond belief. How vicious? Well... I'll tell you just a little story she told me. Hang on one sec.
2: Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows. Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show.
1: Simply safe has changed home security. And I'll be honest with you. I think they've changed the whole industry. I think you're going to see the entire home security industry change because of what simply safe has done. People were tired of the old model, high prices, pushy or lousy customer service and contracts. Who wants to sign a contract? Look, I move around. I adjust my thinking. I change things all the time. Oh, but I can't do that with the other security company because I'm locked into a three-year contract. I'm not making that up. Three years I was locked in. Simply Safe, totally straightforward, no pushy salespeople. Get online, order your stuff, they ship it to you. You place the sensors, plug it in, and you're covered with no contract, starting at 15 bucks a month. Go to simplysafe.com slash Jesse. That's safe.com slash jesse. That gets you free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. Here's just a little story from... The old ball and chains gymnastics coach. When she was a child, and when I say child, people, I mean child. 12, 13, 14 years old. You know the balance beam in gymnastics, right? The girls, you see them up there in the Olympics and they're doing the little flippy things and the little foot out things. I don't know. I don't, Look, I didn't learn anything about it. I only I only read her because she was hot. All right. Well, this coach. This coach really wanted them to get focused on that balance beam. Really wanted them to stay on that balance beam. This is a first-hand story, people. So instead of just setting up some mats around the balance beam in case they fall in practice time, he set up chairs, the foldable steel chairs. Oh, wait, I forgot to mention... He set the foldable steel chairs up upside down. That is a Russian gymnastics coach. A little sadistic, extremely sadistic. You bet. Cruel. Yep. You want your kid going through it? Absolutely not. Does that produce some world-class world class athletes? You bet it does. You bet it does. So I took a lot of liberty with that part of the story because everything I read on Alexander Solonik, they all glossed over that part. And maybe it's just because of my personal experience, or I should say my wife's personal experience with it. I bet you money that had something to do with how the man turned out. Just a guess. Just a guess. Oh, and as a brief side note, because I forgot to mention it earlier, because this is going to be important. Remember when I was talking about the Russian mob and how they ran everything? You know one of the main things they ran in Russia all over the place? Martial arts gyms, wrestling, judo, boxing, whatever the case may be. They found them to be great money makers. They found them to be great places to recruit if you find a particularly talented young student. Bringing us way back to Alexander's childhood. Alexander, well, some people just excel at violence. Now, unlike other people, again, he's almost like a movie character. He was really quiet in class. Did not cause a lot of trouble in school. In fact, was an extremely advanced student. We'll get to that in a little while. This guy's not some dummy, not just some leg breaker. And he starts to get into wrestling. And it turns out he's dominant. And he starts to get into judo, and it turns out he's dominant. And it's t- and he starts to get into boxing, and it turns out he's dominant. And he starts to get into karate, and it turns you picking up on a pattern here. The guy is an exceptionally intelligent athlete, a combat athlete. And when I say combat athlete, we're talking he's winning regional titles at things like judo. He's going undefeated in certain places. Now, young man like this needs some direction in life, and there aren't a ton of opportunities in the Soviet Union at this time He chooses to join the military. Now, the Russian military is a tough nut to crack. I don't fully understand it because there are so many different parts of it and ways they merge with each other. Sometimes they'll kind of merge with the spy agencies and sometimes they're just domestic. Sometimes they're just foreign. Sometimes the Spetsnaz, the Spec Ops guys are full Spetsnaz. Sometimes they're, I mean, half Spetsnaz. And the Spetsnaz guys are insane. They're absolutely insane. Most of these countries like this that don't have a huge military budget, although Russia has a big military budget, but nothing like ours, they make up for, or I should say try to make up for the lack of range time because range time costs money with Cruelty. Like in Spetsnaz, I don't know if you've ever seen any the few videos of it they'll release when you're when you're going through your training trying to get to be one they'll sock you right in the face. They'll just walk up and punch you out. There are rumors, and you never know how much of this is true. There are rumors they will fill up a miniature room full of cow guts and blood and make you wade through it trying to fight people in it and things. I mean they're they're cruel. The Spetsnaz, this part I do know, they have this game where there is a trench. Only it's not a straight line trench. The trench is narrow on one end and gets slowly wider as you go along. You understand what I'm saying? Am I laying this out right for you? Think of like a triangle looking thing. Only it's not just the trench. There are spikes in the bottom of the trench. And one of the things they do is they routinely, sometimes drunk, put on heavy, heavy packs and jump across the trench. And you are thought of as more of a man. The further down the line you go, the wider the trench gets. Yeah, not exactly an injury you want to call home to mom with. Hang on. Back to Alexander Solonik, he joins the military and it gets a little fuzzy after this, exactly how it goes, but let's just put it this way. He's given high, high marks because on top of being somebody you do not want to get in a fist fight with, this man apparently is an excellent shot with both hands. I guess he was ambidextrous. Like I said, they got to make a freaking movie about this guy. He gets specially selected by the officer over him, who was a mentor to him, to go to this special operations slash police unit. And that's going really, really well. It's an anti-terrorism unit. He's learning all kinds of new tricks of the trade. Life is good, right? I'm violent. I'm in a violent organization. I have a mission in life. It's all gravy. He's on a gravy train with Biscuit Wheel, Chris. Except, I mean, sometimes things go sideways. Hang on.
2: Jesse Kelly returns next. (music) This is the Jesse Kelly show.
1: Alexander Solonik. Alexander the Great. He was churning and burning just fine in the Russian military. Even got picked for a special unit. Not a man you want to tangle with. I know you're going to find this shocking, but by this point in time, he had already broken his self-defense instructor's jaw. The dude (laughs) is an absolute Terminator. Not the type of person you want to come across in a dark alley. Now... Gets picked for the specialized unit. And his mentor, who had apparently kept him in check, retires. Moves along. Good for the mentor, not so good for Alexander. Alexander finds himself in a bar. Look, he's Russian, okay? Finds himself in a bar and gets three other Russian soldiers walking in there with him. These three Russian soldiers are fresh back from Afghanistan. This is during that time where Russians were having such a brutal, brutal conflict in Afghanistan. And thank goodness we learned from their mistakes and we never got bogged down there. Man, I'd, I'd feel so stupid. Huh. Anyway, these Russian soldiers are elaborating a lot on their military tales. Alexander had not been to Afghanistan. He hadn't been to combat over there yet. They essentially told him he was a worthless pile of crap for not having gone. Then one of these three men made the horrific mistake of placing his hand on Alexander Solonik. Apparently that was something you did not do. That guy promptly got his nose and teeth broken with one punch. He then grabs the second guy, apparently. This is the way the story goes. He grabs the second guy, breaks his arm as he's hitting the third guy with the broken arm, and then breaks the third guy's shin by kicking it, then proceeds to beat the living daylights out of all three of these guys in the bar all by himself. I don't believe, as the story goes, they landed a punch, hardly broke a sweat, walks out the door. Now, even in the Russian military, there is such a thing as too violent. Alexander Solonik most definitely was on that list. He gets kicked out. He goes and starts working on my life. I'm not making this up. In a morgue. He also, because that's who he is, continues to train. Train at the local MMA boxing judo gyms. And who did we say owned all those boxing judo gyms but the Russian organized crime. They come across this young man who is beating the daylights out of everybody in the gyms. And we don't know all the little things that happen, but we can guess, right? This is the part I'm filling in the blanks because this is how it worked back then. Oh, wow. This guy looks like he knows how to handle himself. Let's have him go. Let this person who owes us money know that he needs to pay that money. Okay. He's let him know. Now let's send him back and let's have him say it a little more forcefully. You know how it works. You've seen the movies. That's how it works. Starts out with some intimidation, ends with beating somebody up. If they think you're the type of guy who can handle it, it eventually morphs into you shooting people in the face and or strangling them. So we don't know how he got from recruited in the gym to his big assignment, his first big one, but we do know his big assignment was awesome. And this is what it was. He was offered, I forget the amount, it was something something like 100 grand or something like that, to go kill a mafia boss, another Russian mafia boss. This was not some pudgy little accountant. This mafia boss had five bodyguards with machine guns around him at all times. And like I said, straight out of the movies, Alexander drives to, I think it was Moscow, if I remember right, drives to where this mafia boss has an upcoming dental appointment. He drives. He doesn't fly because he doesn't want any records of himself. He stays in some local like hostel where he'll blend in with other people who look like him. He actually gets there a few weeks ahead of when the dental appointment is. So he makes himself an appointment at the dentist's office so he can get the exact layout of the dentist's office where his target's having a killing. I told you it was cool, right? He figures out there's only one dentist chair in this dentist's office, and he eyeballs everything, including the building across the street. He goes to the building across the street and finds himself in a storage unit with a perfect lookout down on the window of the dentist office chair across the street, 40 meters away. They say Alexander leaves, continues to scout Alexander gets his hands on a sniper rifle. And remember, this is a man who can handle a sniper rifle shows up on the day of the dentist appointment for the mafia boss shows up a couple hours ahead of time. With his duffel bag that has his disassembled sniper rifle. And it's straight out of the movies. Gets up to the room. Locks himself in. Assembles his sniper rifle. And then waits. This part's always weirded me out a little. I don't know why. Waits for two hours for his guy to show up. What are your nerves doing during that two hours? Right? It's one thing, you know, crime of passion or something like that. I would think any of us could would be capable of pulling off something like that. I mean, hopefully not. I don't want you killing people out there. But what does it look like for two hours sitting and waiting and not killing a bunny? You know, you're not deer hunting. You're killing a man who's surrounded by people who will very much try to kill you back. The man does show up, shows up surrounded by bodyguards, makes his way up to the dentist's office, Lays down in the dentist chair. Alexander from across the street with a suppressed sniper rifle takes aim, fires, and hits him in the top of his head because the top of his head was facing the window. He waited till the dentist was turned away so he didn't hit the dentist. Not because he cared about the dentist. He just didn't want to mess up his target. Shoots him in the top of the head. Only get this. The dentist window... Doesn't shatter. It's not a shatterable window. The bullet just kind of shoots right through it. So the dentist doesn't know what's happening. Alexander shoots the guy another three or four more times, essentially blows the front of his face off. The dentist finally turns around because he was grabbing a tool and thinks, Oh, (laughs) what would be going through your head as a dentist? Well, that Novocaine is strong, right? What's going through your head as a dentist? Alexander Apparently, according to the story, calmly disassembles his sniper rifle, loads it back in a duffel bag, drives back home, collects his winnings. And we've gone on a little long today, but let's just say he didn't stop there. Let's just say the nickname he was given after that was Super Killer and he ended up with over 40 contract kills that doesn't count the ones that that were other con- other than contracts the next big one he got after this was another mob boss who had killed lots of the assassins sent to get him because he had he was surrounded by highly trained bodyguards yeah alexander still walked into this guy's nightclub twin suppressed pistols under his coat He had special pockets sewn into his coat for extra magazines. Pop, 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 kills all three bodyguards and the Russian mob boss turns around and leaves unscathed. Only he gets arrested. Kind of. Hang on.
2: little stocky follow like and subscribe on social at jesse kelly dc
1: well it just happened to me again this morning the one drawback of my raycon earbuds is they're so small that people don't realize i have them in i love that about them too i hate having something with wires or these big ugly things sticking out of my ear but these are so small people can't tell i have them in and so I'll get this impression that somebody I just walked by or someone I'm standing by is talking to me and I look and their lips are moving. (laughs) But I can't tell because I got my Raycon earbuds in and I'm jamming out to music. And they're comfortable. I have things in my ears for hours a day. As soon as I'm done off the radio, I pop my Raycon earbuds in. First thing this morning when Chris walked in, Raycon earbuds were in. Go get yourself some. Go to buyraycon.com slash Jesse. That's buyraycon.com slash jesse. That gets you 15% off the already great price. Go get yourself some Raycon earbuds. The man gets arrested. He escapes. He escapes with the help of the Russian Russian mafia who paid off a guard. He is given another contract. He is fulfilling these contracts continually. Now, here's a part that I have a hard time believing, but apparently it's true. He gets arrested again. He gets sent to a really bad prison for really bad men because that's what he is. The legend goes that he got in a fight with 12 men. Now, this is the legend. It is often repeated. Okay? So, I'm not the one saying it, but... The legend goes he beats the living daylights out of all 12 of them. Apparently they all had shovels. He manages to get a hold of one of the shovels and he comes out battered and bloodied, but beats them all up at once. 12 men. I don't tend to believe that there's nobody on this planet that can take on 12 full grown men, but you never know. Something goes wrong. Maybe a couple of them were ducking and covering. Like I said, they need to make a movie out of this guy because that is part of his story. One last hit. I'll elaborate for you before we move on here because I could talk about this guy all day long. Because I love this one. It's awesome. He had yet another mob boss. That's, That's part of the reason I think this guy's awesome. Even though he's a psychopathic killer and not a great human being. He was always killing like Russian mob bosses. I mean, straight out of the movies. It's straight out of the movies. He had to kill another Russian mob boss. This time he got some help. He got some buddies to park some vans around the Russian mob boss's house. They radioed Alexander when the mob boss left. Then the van would drive in front of the mob boss's car. Alexander would pull in behind it. Front van stopped. Back van Alexander's in stops. Alexander gets out with a rocket-propelled grenade launcher in his hands and blows up the car, killing the dude. <laughs> Guy's awesome. Not not totally awesome, though, because he did he did get in a shootout with some cops and kill seven of them. He's not a man to be trifled with. Now, the problem with that life is this. Well. Let's be honest, there's probably more than one problem with that life. But one of the major problems with that life, as great as it is for the movies to go around killing criminals and bad people, is eventually the criminals and bad people that you've killed are going to have some friends and or family who want you dead. Also, the people you work for, because he only ever worked for one criminal group this whole time. The people you work for are also not really good people. Maybe the kind of people who can be bought off. Alexander escaped to a compound he built for himself in Athens, Greece. He knew the heat was on. He was done with prison. He was done with that life, even though rumors he started his own mafia in Athens. But he was done with all that until one day a good friend of his shows up and is welcomed into his home. The trouble is this good friend is also a contract killer with a ton of kills under his belt. Alexander turns around one day, ends up with a Garrett around his throat, dead. Maybe. The reason I say maybe is the body shows up with obviously the Garrett wounds around the neck, but the body also has a bunch of very, very strange acid injuries on it including to the fingers so they're unable to fingerprint the body properly Alexander Solonik officially declared dead there are many many people including including high high people in the russian police who do not believe he is dead they believe he faked his own death and that is the saga of alexander superkiller solonik Why did I tell that story? Well, I saw this headline, Social Media Heroes, the headline is. This is from military.com. Afghan teen and her brother fought the Taliban. This is a 16-year-old girl, and her younger brother was 12 years old. They had their parents killed. Once their parents were killed, these two children were rocking and rolling AK-47s and stacking Taliban bodies. Let me me repeat myself. 12 and 16 years old. A 16-year-old girl. What's that 16-year-old girl you know do? Maybe it's your daughter, neighbor's daughter, cousin. A little bit of Instagram. Oh, look at my funny faces. Oh, no, I got a pimple. Guys like Alexander Solonik are very much products of their environment. We are all products of our environment. You don't pick up an AK-47 when your parents die and start stacking bodies when you're 16 unless you are brought up in that environment with a certain mentality. I saw this poll, I don't have it in front of me, that the majority of white people in America think America is a racist nation. That does not happen by accident. That is the environment we are raising people in in this country. We are raising a bunch of self-hating losers who will not be able to sustain this, this society at all. Young people today, I know because I have a neighborhood full of them. I talk to my neighbors all the time. Young people today, even the Republican ones, They think climate change is about to kill us all. They think racism is an evil plague in America today. Young people today have been raised in a culture, a culture that tells them this country sucks. And people, when this next generation comes up, it's over if we don't do something about it. And it has to be culture-wide. What can you do about it? It starts at home. First and foremost, make dang sure your kids know about the true history of this country, know who they are, and are strong enough to withstand the unbelievable amount of pressure they're about to be under because that's where so much of this comes from. Oh, their friends are saying it. Their video games are saying it. Oh, look at Snapchat and Instagram saying it. Oh, my favorite singer's saying it. Oh, that professional athlete who has a jersey on, he's saying it. Oh, the news is saying it. Do you know how difficult it is for grown, secure adults to withstand that kind of pressure? Now think about an insecure 16, 17-year-old with pimples and acne. Or I guess that's the same thing. Prepare your children for a cultural war because I don't care whether you like it or not, they will be in one. Period. And not only will they be in one, we need them to win it. Hang on. Joining us now, fan favorite on this show, I don't know why, former Marine, Scout, Sniper, Marine Recon, Green Beret, author of 9,000 books at this point in time, including Last Son of the War God and Sword of the Caliphate. And Clay, plug your newest book, please. Concrete Jungle,
5: Green Beret's Guide to Urban Survival. Mm -hmm. A a book for our time.
1: Indeed, a book for our time. Clay... (laughs) Uh, we're going to focus on Marine Recon for a minute here, because talk about a group that gets no recognition whatsoever. Most people don't even know what it is, why it exists, where it exists, what they do. First of all, tell us about getting into Marine Corps Recon.
5: Oh man, at least back in my day, that was uh, that was an ugly business. Now things have uh, I've changed a little bit with the uh, formation of Marshallese. Like all that stuff we'll get into here in a little bit. But, uh, I mean, it was a brutal, brutal selection event. Uh, and having done this multiple times, by far the worst one. Uh, back in the old days, at least, even as, late, as far back as the late 90s, you had to be a uh, corporal. It was a corporal. You had to have two uh, two uh, mues. And then you go to uh, a recon in-doc, which, oh, man, I wish I I wish had done the Googles on the, on the way to remembering how this was. But the in-doc was just an insane test. I want to say it was like a a five-mile ruck run, uh, a PFT, which you had to get over a 285 on, all this in sequence, Uh, obstacle course twice in five minutes, usually about a three-mile run to the pool in there, Uh, 500-meter swim, either 500 or 1,000, I can't remember which one at a certain amount of time, 50-meter underwater swim, uh, a brick swim of some sort, you had to hold a brick out of the water that let it touch and swim a certain distance, yeah, I mean, just an ugly, ugly selection process, and that was to
1: get—that
5: was to get in the door. That was to uh, be good enough to go to school.
1: Okay, you're in school. What are you doing in school? Oh,
5: it—it uh, uh, it gives me chills to think about even after all these years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, give it to us. What are you doing? <laughs>
5: I mean, it was uh, it's basically uh, a school that's on par with uh, with buds as far as uh, brutality goes. But uh, yeah, twenty four hours a day, you're in a fishbowl, and uh, I mean, they're just out there destroying people. I mean, running around with little boats on your head, getting the cold water in the ocean, uh, rolling around in the sand, uh, pretty much anything they could make think of to uh, make your life a living hell and make you quit. And Man, I want to say that we had like a ten percent pass rate. I mean, it was insanely Oof. ugly. <laughs> yeah. And that was mostly made out of young know, Marine Corps infantrymen or experienced Marines. I mean, it was an ugly, ugly place.
1: All right. Now what now you're in. You're a you're a Marine Corps recon guy. What do you actually do? What's their mission?
5: This is uh, one of those places where the uh, the name recon was like a a badly chosen name, and that was actually done back in the fifties. Uh, so even like when I crossed back to the army, they didn't really understand what a what a recon battalion was, because the army has as recon elements as well, but that's that's all they do. Uh, for the Marine Corps, your primary mission was reconnaissance. So your job is to go behind lines and uh, you know look for stuff and, uh, and do that kind of thing. But uh, you also had the uh, all the you know commando jobs of you know small unit raids, uh, sniper operations, all kinds of weird stuff, and especially like back in the '80s and '90s, you know it was an equivalent force to anybody else. You know your squeals, your uh, your SF guys, whatever. And there was some, I mean, some really weird subtleties that went along with that, like a lot of like operations that nobody knows about. Uh, in fact, when I checked into uh, uh, second recon battalion. We went to the second force recon company. That's where the headquarters was. There was an Iranian dishka on the quarter deck that they would captured, in like 1984, 1985, taking down an oil platform and just you know carried this thing home. And uh, <laughs> there was you know, pictures of the dudes. And you're like, I-, I don't remember hearing about us fight. Whatever. You know, it's it's a, it's a weird place.
1: Clay. Taking down an oil platform, while I understand there's probably a gargantuan amount of things you are not allowed to tell us, everyone knows what that looks like, what, what an oil platform looks like. And right. how in the world does one go removing bad guys off of said platform? I just, the, the concept of that has always blown me away because it's such a horrible environment. And if you've never been around one, right. people, the waves crash against it. It's, it's just, how do you do that?
5: <laughs> Probably without blowing it up too. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's it's one of those mission sets that's uh, I mean it's a really strange one. Uh and it it goes back a lot to why certain forces like uh you know, special boat service, SEALs, recon marines have to be so like inhumanly strong and comfortable in the water. So the best way to get to one is to sneak up on it in the middle of the night and your little you know, rubber dinghy, <laughs> climb up the side of it and start, you know, shellacking people out of their beds. Which, you know, looks cool on TV, but in real life, like climbing a ladder up the side of a go plat or launching a little grappling hook with your stupid caving ladder on, just climbing that ladder in all your kit is like a selection of it by itself. I mean, that is not a fun thing to do. Like you said, the crashing waves and, and moving ocean and stuff. I mean, it takes a, like almost a superhuman amount of strength.
1: Does it would you do something like that? It doesn't have to be an oil platform or something like that, yeah, but you're are okay, whatever. you're there, you're on some special thing, you just had to climb an 8000 foot ladder. Are you wiped at the top or are you so adrenaline rushed you're fine and you're not wiped till the next day when you can't move?
5: That's one of those things and that's also why the yeah, the, the physical strength requirement is so high because you have to be 100 you get to the top of that, which is which is not an easy thing in itself. Because there's also nowhere to go. I mean, that's a, a very much a win-or-die event. Uh, like, You know, you're not going to be able to uh, start this fight or whatever and then climb right back on the side. You know, that's not going to happen. Or, you know, jump in the ocean out this go-plat. You're, you're probably going to die. So, I mean, that is that is part of the reason that, that especially for amphibious forces, the, the physical conditioning is such a huge piece of it.
1: Did you guys ever learn very much about the Marine Raiders of World War II? And I know they brought the Raiders back, I just, I'm not familiar with them, because were gone right. when I was in there, the Marine Raiders right. and like the 40 Thieves of Saipan.
5: Right. Yeah, we, we did quite learn quite a bit about it, actually, because that's considered recon's heritage as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's a classic Marine Corps move, though, like build up a force, get rid of it when the war's over, need it again, build it back up, in you know, the same way that snipers were dissolved between World War Two and Korea, and then once again between Korea and Vietnam. But yeah, we learned, uh, we learned quite a bit about the Raiders, actually.
1: Why is the Army better at special forces than the Marine Corps? You've told me before that's part of the reason you went to become a Green Beret. Right. Why are they better at it?
5: I, I think a lot of it has to do with culture. Uh, the same reason that actually uh, the Navy loves its SEALs. The SEALs are like 3,000 guys in that force of you know almost a million. That really, honestly, in like a Navy term, take zero budget. Like, I'm going to buy those guys some like guns and stuff. Like, oh, it's nothing compared to a nuclear submarine. Like, give them a million dollars, whatever. The Army is actually kind of the same way. (laughs) The Army is so big and uh, so much bigger than the Marine Corps. That it has plenty of cultural space for a band, a patriot missile repairman, whatever. And then you've also got some rangers and special forces guys over there, and nobody really cares about them. They're like, I just go, you know, do your stuff, and we'll have a parade over here. Mm -hmm. The the Marine Corps culturally is so small that for whatever reason it feels like it can't afford to have that. It feels like it kinda has to move in one direction and uh and it can't have any you know cowboys out there hanging on the fringes. So for that reason it's it's never really been good at it. They've never liked it. I mean the Marine Corps actually used to have a para regiment. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah World War Two same as the Raiders they had a uh I believe it was an entire regiment. It was at least a couple of battalions of paratroopers. uh, But they also dissolved that right after the war. Uh, The Marine Corps just never really liked anything outside of the lines of uh, of its normal force.
1: Uh, Those stinking Marines. Clay Martin, thank you, my friend. What's the book again? Plug it, please. Concrete Jungle, A Green Beret's Guide to Urban Survival. Go buy it, people. Go buy it. Clay, I appreciate you, buddy.
5: All right. Thanks a lot, Jesse.
1: Be good. Nobody knows about the Marine Corps recon. You know what I need to do, Chris? I need to do one just on the Marine Corps Raiders because they were awesome. Marine Corps Raiders were awesome. Those 40 thieves we of Saipan we did the other day, those were Raiders. Those, well, kind of. Those were kind of Raiders. It's hard to describe. Those were more scout snipers. But all right, you know what? I'm going to do one on the Raiders soon. I just decided, not the Oakland ones, the non-criminals. Hang on.
3: Visit AdoptUSKids.org.
0: Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council.
4: Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now, so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org slash shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
1: You know... I hear a lot of yelling out there at people about coronavirus stuff. Um wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Lock down, don't lock down. We got a vaccine coming. Take the vaccine. Don't you dare take the vaccine. Wherever you stand on these things, and I've been very, very vocal on where I stand on them. That's not what this segment's about. Wherever you stand on these things, there is one thing that should be universal. And if you don't feel this way, you're a moron. Has nothing to do with masks, no masks, vaccine, lockdown, none of it. You had better be distrustful of the information you are getting on a regular basis from the news, from the experts, from the doctors, from this country, from that country, from this new study, from China, from America, from Sweden, from Germany. You had better be questioning everything, absolutely everything. If you're not, you're a moron or a sucker, or both. I'm, I don't mean to be harsh, and I understand that's difficult for so many people because we've talked about this before. We're going to talk about it again now. I truly believe people are either born rule followers or they are born rule breakers. I believe 100% the rule followers can absolutely ruin everything if they take it too far and vice versa. I'm not defending one or the other because I believe you're born this way. I believe rule breakers can ruin things if they take it too far. You have to work on that part of your personality. Not that it's a flaw, but be careful you don't take things too far. I see this all the time in my own home. My wife is a rule follower. You you can't do that. Why not? Well, the Homeowners Association says you can't. Well, screw them. I'm doing it anyway. It would never occur to her to, to break that rule. Well, it's a rule. These rules are in place for a reason. Why aren't you following the rules? And I'm not insulting her, but that sounds like insanity to me. At the same time, the things I do sound like insanity to her. No, I am going to do it. But you're not allowed. Well, who says I'm not allowed? Well, the HOA. Well, screw them. I want to do it, so I'm doing it. We are entering an era now. It is unavoidable. We are entering an era where you... If you're a rule follower, if that's inherently who you are, this is going to be a more difficult time for you than it is the rule breakers. You tell me we're going to have to get a little rebellious soon. (laughs) I'm game. Let's rock and roll. You tell my wife that you can see her palms start to sweat. If you are inherently a rule follower, You must understand this. We are entering an era... Shoot, we're already in the middle of it... But we are entering an era... Where there aren't just rules. There aren't... There isn't a just enforcement of the law... If we even have just laws. You see it everywhere now. Everywhere you look. These people... Under this leftist city, they're going to be prosecuted for, for for painting over a Black Lives Matter mural. These people who spray-painted the side of a building, Black Lives Matter, oh, well, we're going to let them out. They're fine. However you stand on that, wherever you stand on that, that's that's not just. That's not a fair interpretation of the law. So, in the future, it is inevitable, whether it's Biden, whether it's anything else, in the future, you are going to have to, have to, get comfortable breaking the rules. To whatever extent you get comfortable doing that is up to you. But it is a fact. People who hate this country are going to run it again one day. Maybe in November. They are. Maybe four years after that. Maybe four years after that. But pendulums swing all the time. The only thing that's inevitable is change. And this Democrat Party is not your father's Democrat Party. Not by a long shot. You're going to have to get comfortable Breaking some rules. Hang on. Simply Safe is monitored 24 hours a day, seven days a week by a professional. And look, your home security must have that. And Simply Safe has emergency dispatch services—that's police, fire, medical. But what may what might be most amazing about it? It starts at fifteen dollars a month. Fifteen dollars a month is absurd, and that's what you can get home security for if you go to Simply Safe, and you don't have to deal with well, uh, well, we'll try to be there between noon and midnight to install your si- no 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 no. You get to do it all. And it's totally hassle free. You go online, pick out what you want. They mail it to you. You open up the box, put your sensors out, plug them in, and you're done. That's all. Go to simplysafe.com slash Jesse. That's simplysafe.com slash Jesse. That gets you free shipping and a 60 day risk free trial. headline from Yahoo people are more likely to contract COVID-19 at home study finds. stay home slow the spread don't wear a mask wait wear a mask why aren't you wearing a mask wear a mask inside wear a mask outside Two more weeks. We are trying to keep the hospitals from being overrun. All right, two more weeks after that. All right, let's make it another month. Get back home. Why are you spreading the virus? Whoa, what are you doing at home? That's spreading the virus. People, none of these people have any idea what they're talking about. They're dealing with something they don't understand yet. So stop setting policy and bankrupting the United States of America until you understand it. Why don't you go ahead and get a firm handle on things, then get back to me as to how many trillion I have to spend. Hang on.
2: This is The Jesse Kelly Show. This is The Jesse Kelly Show.
1: I don't know what the wife's problem is. She's making Hamburger Helper for dinner, one of my favorite meals. Now, allow me to clarify, because some women are. She refuses to make the Hamburger Helper from the box anymore. It says something about it being unhealthy or something like that. So she makes a homemade version. And in her defense, it is like the best thing you have ever eaten in your entire life. It is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Me and the boys just lay waste to mountains of it. Absolute mountains of it. And she asked what I wanted for a side. To which I said, let me use my new smoker. I'm going to use my new wood pellet smoker and I'll make us a side. She said what do you think you're going to make? I said mac and cheese. Apparently she thinks that's too much pasta and that mac and cheese isn't a good side for hamburger helper. I don't know what her problem is, Chris. I have never had smoked mac and cheese, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to shortly. <laughs> No, I probably won't make some tonight just because I'm getting old enough now that I actually can't eat that much. Like, I can't eat a hamburger helper and mac and cheese. But don't you miss those? Well, Chris is probably still that age. There was a time, mainly like Marine Corps era. Now, this this is a little different Marine Corps era when you're burning so many calories all day long. But there was a time. It's no joke. I would go to Subway. That expensive taste. I would go to Subway, and I would order two foot-long cheesesteaks and lay waste to both of them in one sitting. That is is an absurd. Chris, look up the Subway cheesesteak. I want a good readout on the amount of calories that I would consume. I genuinely do. What's, what's a Subway foot long cheesesteak? What's the calorie count on that, Chris? All right. He's going to get me a printout. Headline. New York City is now the worst place to do business, retailers say. Here's what it is about big cities. And New York is no exception. And remember, I love New York City. Love. Love. I have always said prior to this madness, if you do not enjoy yourself in New York City in at least small doses, you know, for a night or two, if you don't enjoy yourself in New York City, you are the problem. Even my father loves going to New York City for a night or two. And my dad hates everything. He definitely hates fun, hates it with a passion. My dad goes to New York City and and enjoys himself for a night or two. It's just, it's insane. It's insane, and it's old, and it's historic, and there's skyscrapers, and there's crazy people, and there's chicks with purple hair, and the restaurants are absurdly good, and it's wild, and there's sidewalk vendors. There's this one dude, Chris. It's one of the best hustles I've ever seen in my life. The dude is amazing. I don't know how he's pulled it off for so many years. They have all these sidewalk shoe shine setups in New York because there's business people everywhere, right? There's the business people everywhere. Everybody's got, you know, dress shoes on. This dude, his setup is this. He has the shoe shine setup, you know, with the elevated chairs. He's got a pair of elevated chairs and maybe one. I don't remember. I haven't had my shoe shine there in a long time. And his deal is he makes fun of people and shames people coming by if their shoes need shine. Only he does it in such a way that everybody laughs. Like he's not mean spirited about it. But you'll be walking by him. Mean, he does it to me all the time. Dude, come on, dude. Look at yourself. You're walking around like that. You should be embarrassed. You should be embarrassed. Get in the chair. Come on, that's embarrassing. You're embarrassing yourself. And if a dude's with like a girl, he'll be like, she's ashamed to be with you right now. She's ashamed. Get in the chair. And everybody loves the guy. Everybody laughs as hyster- thing. It's just that that's the kind of place in New York. I met some friends out one night in New York and we were looking for, you know, what's, what's a cool little bar we can go to. And they asked me, Hey, do you want to go to a Russian bar? I'm not sure. You know me. what What do I say no to? Yeah, sure. Let's do, let's do this. Now, when they said Russian bar, I was thinking maybe Russian themed, you know what I mean? Just like a, Maybe you've got a little couple Russian dolls or something in there. This was a Russian bar. I mean, the kind of bar where you have to walk up to a building. And no, you're not walking in the front door of the building. You're not going up the stairs of the building. You're walking down a flight of stairs into some sort of basement underneath a building. You're walking through the front door, and there are paintings of Lenin on the wall. The bartenders and waitresses are all Russian. They speak Russian. The English they speak is broken. What's behind the bar, you ask? Well, Chris, what do you think would be behind the bar in a Russian bar? What are they serving in there? Yes, sir. Your favorite drink. When I say bottles of vodka, I don't think I'm explaining that properly. Go ahead and count about 200 different kinds of vodka. That's what's behind the bar. <laughs> New York City's awesome, man. It's wild. But, and here's the big but it's absurdly expensive. Just everything is absurdly expensive. Now, why go there then? Well, you could always go there because it is fun and it is wild. And post Rudy Giuliani, New York City is actually, as long as you stay out of the bad neighborhoods, New York City is absurdly safe. Has been absurdly safe. Until now. Well. Now. If I have to feel unsafe here. Why would I keep my business here? Your dollar. Does not go far. In expensive places. And that will be hard for many of you to understand. Who don't live in expensive places. But I have lived everywhere. Expensive. Cheap. Everywhere. I will tell you. I took a job one time working in Washington, D.C., and I was making over $70,000 a year. Now, some of you were scoffing at that as chump change. Some of you were like, whoa, I've never made that in my life. I will tell you at the time, I thought that was a lot of money. And, I mean, look, to this day, I'll tell you, he's making seventy grand a year, it's dang nice living. That's way above the average. It's dang nice living. We could hardly pay the bills in D.C. on thousand dollars a year. It's all about the cost of living. So if you're going to be in a place like New York City and you're going to have this absurd cost of living and you're unsafe, well, now it's not worth it to keep that shop open anymore. Why would a mom and pop little corner store in new york why would you stay open to get trashed looted mask mandates plus the absurd rent you have to pay every single month when you can turn around and sell it move that business to say a houston suburb and for a fraction of the cost with police protection get along just fine people are making business decisions man hang on
2: Jesse Kelly show
1: Raycon earbuds sound clearer than any earbud I've ever had in my entire life. And I've had a lot of them. Look, if you're going to trust anyone on this, you should probably trust me because ask anybody I know I live with earbuds in my ear. I have them in when I'm at home. I have them in once I get to work before my show starts. And now Raycon earbuds are so comfortable. I have them in, in my truck. Um, My truck already has a stereo system and Bluetooth, but it doesn't sound like Raycon, and they're so comfortable in my ear. They just sit in there. It's an absolutely wonderful experience, and you can have all this for a price that's like half of the other high-end earbuds out there. Go check out their E25 earbuds. Just go check them out. Go to buyraycon.com slash That's buyraycon.com slash jesse. That gets you 15% off your order. Chris has handed me the nutritional information for my foot-long cheese steak at Subway, the one I used to eat two of. Oh, man, that's bad. And this is extra bad because mine, the way I made it, was much worse than this. You see, when I got the Subway cheese steak, I would have them put that heavenly Southwest Chipotle sauce they have at Subway, which is the bomb diggity. And I would say a lot of it. And then they would squirt just a little more than normal on there, and I would say, no, 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 you're not understanding. I said, a lot of it. I want that stuff dripping out the back of the sandwich every bite I take, and they would just drown it in it. However, a normal sandwich, 1,000 calories in one sandwich, Chris. So mine had to be 1,200, 1,300, have to be, including 102 grams of carbs, 34 grams of fat, However, protein-rich, 76 grams. That can't be right. 76 grams of protein? See? I was eating a protein-packed meal. Sorry for being a workout warrior. Maybe, you know what we need to do, Chris? This would actually be hilarious. Hear me out. I just thought of this on the show, so we're just going to go ahead and just come out with this live. What if we came up with Oh gosh, this could be really funny. Let, let's work this out. What if we came up with a little video and or audio clip we do for the show with health tips? Only have them all be absolutely terrible, but say them straight faced. You know what I mean? Just totally present it absolutely straight faced. Today on Jesse's health tips. We're gonna break down exactly how many Oreos you need for maximum personal fitness. You know what you know what I mean? Oh, it would be great. See, what would make the joke? This, whenever I make jokes like this, this is the best part. Most of my people get it because that's what you're getting. As Michael Berry told me a long time ago, my mentor in this industry, he said, "You'll learn to love radio more than anything because your audience." ends up being a reflection of you just because you attract those kind of people. You're going to attract the people who have your kind of humor. They're going to enjoy it. So for my audience, that means you're a bunch of freaking sickos. But still, what makes it is not just the people who get the joke. They're half of what makes it. The other half are the people who don't get the joke. And let me caution all of you out there because I see way too much of this. Never ever, 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 under any circumstances, waste even a fraction of a second of your time explaining a joke to somebody who doesn't get the joke. Somebody who doesn't get the joke, one, they make the joke itself even funnier, two, Even if you were able to explain it to them in a way they can understand, you haven't really helped them because that type of person, they're not going to get the next joke either. And they're not going to get the one after that. And they're not going to get the one after that. Simply use them for your amusement. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Chris, we're totally doing this. Health tips. We are totally doing the health tips. Remember we used to do all the keto tips? You know, this is back when, well, let's just explain something here. When it comes to diets and workouts, people have this need. They feel this need to tell everybody when they're doing some diet or some workout, or some combination of the two. Now, why do people feel this need? Well, it's a combination of a couple things. One, there's a feeling of pride when you're going through any kind of hardship, and you want people to recognize that you're going through any kind of hardship. It's why it's why I actually dislike so much of social media. So much of it is just complaining. And some of it's just mindless complaining. Ugh, my foot hurts. What is that? Okay, go put some muscle cream on it. Do you have to put that stuff all over Twitter? So some of it's just that. I wanted recognition of the hardship I'm going in, and some of it's pride. I'm proud that I'm disciplined enough to only eat pine nuts for 90 straight days. I've lost lost 1,000 pounds, and my eyes are sunken in, but boy, I feel great. Here's the problem. People don't consider their audience enough. There's actually somebody who works in this building who is the absolute worst at this. This person, I will not even name the gender, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, this person will stop you and talk to you no matter how busy you are for 10, 15 minutes at a time. Until you have to rudely break away. Well, I take that back. She will stop and talk to you. She will stop and talk to other people. Does not happen to me anymore because I just walk away. I'm not doing that. People fail to properly judge their audience. And allow me to tell you this, and I cannot emphasize this enough, and you're going to be absolutely offended beyond belief when I say this, but you need to hear it. You ready for this?
0: Nobody cares
1: about your diet. Nobody cares about your diet. Nobody wants to hear about it. Your friends don't want to hear about it. Your neighbors don't want to hear about it. Your family doesn't want to hear about it. The people who follow you on social media, they don't want to hear about it. They do not care about your new keto-friendly meal. You know what else? They don't care about your dog either. They don't. It's another one of those things that you care so much about your dog. You're convinced you have such love for that animal which I get. Again, I have been painted as anti-dog. I'm not anti-dog. I'm anti-pet. I've openly admitted that dogs are the superior pet. I know this. But you love that animal so much. You're convinced other people have to as well. So you throw pictures of them up all over the place. You Nobody cares about your freaking dog. Nobody cares about your dog. See, Chris, we're making all kinds of friends today. But it is true. It, the, the diet and workout people are the worst, though. Oh, I just crushed another five miles. Yeah, fine. I crushed five breakfast burritos. It's fine. You know, it's fine. It, what, Chris? All right, I just had to get that off. My, how did I get sidetracked onto that, Chris? I have no idea. Oh, that was off the subway thing. Yeah, you know, subway's underrated. Now everybody's going to yell and scream. Oh, you've never had uh, uh, Jimmy Blacks or whatever it is. Jimmy Johns. You've never had Jimmy Johns and stuff. People, I've had all the chain sub places. I'm not saying Subway's the, the the superior one out there, not by a long shot. But in a pinch, there's always one around. And in a pinch, that cheesesteak with 9,000 gallons of the spicy Chipotle Southwest sauce on it, in a pinch, it will absolutely work. Why are you shaking your head, Chris? Chris is, Chris is such an idiot, and for one, a cheapo. He says it's a sandwich shop. Go home and make a sandwich. Now, I will defend you on this for your inherent cheapness. One, it's clearly not your fault. Two, You are actually right about Subway because you go in and get like a foot long sub with chips and a drink. It'll cost you. It costs me like $11, $12. I'm, I'm just floored. I'm floored by these prices. Anyway, I sound like my dad now. Back in my day, it was 10 cents for a burger and a milkshake. But here's where you're wrong. People don't always have access to a home to make the sandwich, Chris. You're not always right by your home. Sometimes you're out and about and hungry, you idiot. She's so stupid. Hang on, we're gonna talk to the chairman of the Texas GOP. Hang on.
3: You're never completely ready to adopt a teen
0: for late nights writing English papers,
3: for your teen's music taste.
4: A message brought to you by AARP and the ad council.
1: Well, it's not very often we have royalty on the show, Chris, but we do now, ladies and gentlemen, joining us now, the new big cheese. Of the Texas GOP, a big congratulations to my friend Alan West, Colonel. Thank you, sir, and congrats.
6: Hey, thanks so much, Simplified Jesse. It's good to be with you, and I look forward to us having many, diff- many more conversations.
1: Yes, sir. Me too, as well. Tell us, tell us how you did it. Tell us the internal structure of the Texas GOP, because the friends I have in this state are concerned, have been concerned about the direction it's going. They feel it's not going a very Texas way and hasn't been going a very Texas way. And they were hoping that you could get things turned around. They think you're the guy. What direction was it going?
6: Well, I I think that the most important thing is we have to make the uh, Republican Party of Texas relevant. We have to make them a player out here on this ideological battlefield that we see Texas becoming between constitutional conservatism and progressive socialism. So the key thing for me as a chairman is to get out and be visible. Uh, This weekend, my first trip, I'm going down to the Rio Grande Valley area because that area is, you know, you look at the map of Texas and you see a whole lot of red, Jesse. But there are certain strategic places where you see blue. I want to be able to go to those places that are blue and start looking at where we can uh, flip people and we can put the, the, the Democrat Party on defense because they're handing it to us with all of their actions right now. We just have to have the courage and the character and the conviction to stand up and say and do what needs to be done.
1: Colonel, what kind of workout program are you under? Because you realize how fat you're going to get eating all this amazing Texas food as you travel the state.
6: Well, uh, you know, this morning I got up, put in three and a half miles, (laughs) and uh, still was able to uh, do about eight laps in the pool because I'm recovering from the, the shoulder surgery. Uh, but I'm I'm not going to pick up anyway. As a matter of fact, over the last two months, (laughs) I've lost 13 pounds.
1: (laughs) Well, good for you. How is the recovery going? Whatever happened with that whole thing? I saw something about it. I just didn't ask you about it.
6: Well, it's going very well. Uh, As a matter of fact, this morning I had my uh, six-week checkup with my shoulder surgeon, and uh, he showed me the the X-ray pictures of how he reconstructed the socket bone and also the two very large screws that it uh, has there in the, in the socket bone to make sure that the uh, shoulder ball never comes out. So uh, I'm going to have some scars you know, for, for the rest of my life, but pretty much so I'm, I'm healing very well. I'm not in any pain. I'm in physical therapy uh, once, uh, one day out of every week for about an hour. So uh, I'm just blessed by God because not too many people survive a motorcycle accident at 75 miles per hour on mm. a, a major interstate.
1: No, they do not. And, yes, the, the, the good man above was looking out for you that day. Uh, yeah. Colonel, people are concerned. I'm not going to start blasting away at names here, but people are concerned with very powerful Republicans, elected officials in this state that don't seem to value liberty in a way they were voted to protect. At a a federal level, at a state level, people are very concerned. I get these emails all the time about, well, wait a minute, What, what, what do you mean you're mandating things, you're requiring things? That's not the Republican Party I voted for. What kind of Republican Party do you want?
6: I want a Republican Party that governs based upon the rule of the law. Uh, that does not seek to rule by executive orders, mandates, edicts, or any other decree, uh, because that's not who we are. You know, Texas started out as a republic. We live in a constitutional republic that is the United States of America. That's why we have three branches of government. The legislature are the ones, our elected representatives, who are supposed to be uh, developing legislation, laws. Uh, Once they're passed, then they are enforced, executed by the executive branch. So I understand that everyone gets tied up about this thing called an emergency. But when you look at the COVID-19 numbers here in the great state of Texas, Jesse, you got to be very honest. In the state of 29 million, I believe that right now we're close to 3,900 Texans, sadly, have lost their lives. Uh, 283, maybe 84,000 Texans have tested positive for COVID-19. And there are some issues about how you uh, quantify, you know this thing about testing positive. But overall we're seeing a 99.9 percent recovery rate here in the great state of Texas with uh, COVID-19. So I think the most important thing is for elected officials to stand by the rule of the law, and for leaders, You know, you and I served in in the military, the Marine Corps and the Army. Uh, Leaders should not be stoking the uh, flames of panic, paranoia, and hysteria. What leaders are supposed to do is talk about what we can do and how we can adapt, improvise, and overcome.
1: Colonel, what I've always loved about you, and this is long before you were, you know, chairman of the Texas GOP. I mean, shoot, you and I have had this conversation at the GOP convention in Tampa one year is that you were unafraid and it seems like so many of our elected officials i'm not indicting their you know their courage at the moment not all of them anyway but they seem so afraid afraid of what the media is going to print afraid that this person's going to get mad or that person's going to get mad that is not a way forward for our party especially when the left controls so much of this society now
6: no you're absolutely right and when you think about texas uh, Texas is here because of fearless men and women, and I think that right now that's what we need. And it was so funny, Jesse, when you talk about the the uh, the the left and and controlling a narrative or putting a narrative out there. You know, one of the first things that the Texas Democrat Party put out in their press release that uh, the, the the Republican Party of Texas had uh, elected a disgusting racist to head their party. And I just kind of wanted to call them and should take a look at what what I look like. Uh, I'm from Georgia. I was brought up in an inner city. John Lewis was my congressional representative. Uh, but, But that's how insidious they are. And so we should not be on defense. We should be dominating the narrative. We should be getting our talking points out there. And one of the critical things I think we need to start asking right now, Jesse, and we need to say to people, welcome to Texas. But why are you here? Because if you are fleeing a place that has failed, California, Illinois, New York, New Jersey, why would you come to a place where you thought was better growth, opportunity, economic prosperity, and and vote for the same failed policies that you just fled from? And that's what we're going to do. We're going to challenge the Democrats, put them on defense.
1: Do you believe Texas is up for grabs in November? There are a lot of people who do, and these polls are getting scarier.
6: Well, maybe it was, but uh, there's uh, some crazy airborne artillery officer that became the chairman
1: (laughs) of the Republican
6: Party (laughs) of Texas. So I think things have changed now.
1: How about that, Colonel Allen West, the new chairman of the Texas GOP, and we are grateful he is. Make sure you hit me up when you hit town. We'll go get fat on some barbecue, Colonel.
6: You got it. All, all the best, and Semper Fi, brother.
1: Semper Fi. That dude's awesome. That dude's awesome. Honestly. That is exactly what this state GOP needed. And I know people don't get involved too much in their state GOP local precinct. But I'm telling you right now, having run for office before, that stuff matters a lot. You know, they say football is all blocking and tackling. That's what the great Vince Lombardi said. All the blocking and tackling for these elections you get mad at, for the wrong Republicans that win primaries, for a Republican Party that loses its way, it all starts at the precinct level, the state level. People get mad, want to get involved. Let me ask you something. And believe me, I'm asking this myself as much as I'm asking it to you. I'm just as guilty. Let me ask you something. When's the last time you went to your local Republican precinct committee meeting? Have you ever been to one? Do you even know where they meet, when they meet? Oh, I see you over there looking up yours, Chris, acting like you've been before. Don't think I don't see. I can see right, you're right there. I see it. Again, don't tell me how much you care. Show me. Hang on.
2: Miss something? There's a podcast. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly
1: Show. It is a dangerous world out there. It is. I'm not trying to scare you, but my word. Look at the news. Things are getting crazier. People are getting crazier. People are getting more violent. It's just nuts. You have to get yourself a home security system. Now, I know... It's something you might have been putting off. Stop putting it off. It's time. Get some sensors on your windows. Get some cameras in your home. Get a hold of Simply Safe. There's a reason they're consistently rated so high out there. They make things so easy for you, and it's monitored 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's without any contracts, without any sales guys, no fine print, just Simply Safe, providing excellent, excellent service. Go to simplysafe.com slash Jesse. That's simplysafe.com slash Jesse. That gets you free shipping and a 60 day risk free trial. Alan West is a more disciplined man than I am. Did you hear he's running three miles every day? When I was campaigning, see, this is what sucked. You guys know I ran for Congress. I don't think I've told you all this in a while. I ran for U.S. Congress twice back in Arizona. You didn't know you were dealing with this major star, did you? I mean, I lost both times, but that's not important. What do you mean you wouldn't say I ran twice? There was a follow-up election. I ran once and I ran in the follow-up election, Chris. That's not once, you idiot. That's two elections. I understand she got shot. It still counts. All right, for those for those of you who aren't clear on what happened, Gabrielle Giffords, the one who was a victim of that horrible shooting, I was her Republican opponent just a few weeks before that shooting. She had just beat me. It was so close. It was like 4,000 votes. They had to recount it for, I think, a week after the election to see if I actually beat her. Arizona's really weird in that half the people vote early. It's huge early voting. And then the other half vote on election day. She crushed me in the early voting, and there's a lot that goes into that. And then I beat her on election day. But I ended up you know, I ended up losing, which, by the grace of God, I ended up losing. You couldn't pay me enough to be there now. You could not pay me enough. Anyway. So I ran for Congress and running for Congress sucks. Oh gosh, it sucks so freaking bad. It may be some people may be built for it. I am not one who was built for it. I'm just not. Um I don't want to deal with that many people. And it's not that I don't like people. I I don't mind people. I just don't want to be around people all the time. And I have this thing because I have, uh, how do you put this? No soul. I have this thing where I have a difficult time pretending like I care about something I don't care about. And that is the nature of politics because it's politics and people are passionate about it, understandably. Yeah, you get that. Aren't you passionate? I, I You can hear it in my voice. I'm passionate about this stuff. But because you're passionate about it, you expect the person who's running for office to be as passionate about what you're passionate about as you are. And so, I'm not making this up. This is not an exaggeration. I would I would go to parties. I've had somebody corner me, and that's what people do. They corner you and explain to me, his seven point invasion strategy for Iran and wanted me not only to sign on for it, to list it on my website. I'm not even making. I'm not even making that up. What? And when I say corner you, you see, people again are passionate about politics. So when you talk to somebody who's running for office, You have to assume there's a chance they're going to get elected. That's half the reason you're at the little campaign event, the little coffee and biscuits and stuff like that. They think that's their one time ever to get an audience with the congressman. And their eyes, you're already the congressman. You're already in D.C. And their eyes, and I had people say this to me all the time because you get that way around people you love. In their eyes, I've had people say this to me and they say, oh, I think you're going to be president one day. besides my mom, no one's ever said that to me before you're running for office. You know, everybody's mom thinks they're going to be president. I mean, probably not Chris's mom, but everybody else's mom assumes their son can be president of the United States. So what would you do if you were to get an audience with the president of the United States and you were allowed to have him in your mind... For only a short period of time. You only got him like five minutes. He's talking to everybody else. And on top of that, you don't have a great sense or care for other people who want to talk to him. And you don't have a great sense or care whether or not he wants to talk to you. So you get the most brutal things. And you know what's the second most brutal thing? And Honestly, it is amazing. Advice and books. You see, everybody who runs for office, they're equivalent, they're dead set equivalent to people who are obsessed about football and watch football. And I love football. I mean, I'm never going to watch the NFL again. I shouldn't say never, but I'm not watching the NFL anymore or any of that crap. But you know what it's like when you watch football. Maybe you're that guy. I've caught myself being that guy. What a stupid play call. Who is that idiot? Who runs this team? The the guy who runs that team has been a coach for like 45 years. He lives and dies watching film every single day. He knows. He knows more about football than you and me. Look, I've done it too. Oh, that one. Who runs a run play there? Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Well, that's everybody who runs for office or, or who goes to these political events. Uh, you don't understand. I was a. I was an assistant phone answerer on Barry Goldwater's campaign in 1964, and here's all the things you're doing wrong. Or if they don't give you advice, they give you a book. Everybody gives you a book. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Hang on one second. I slept great last night, and I'm going to sleep great again tonight, and I'm going to sleep great again the night, that, the night after that, and the night after that, and the night after that, and I don't have to do this thing that I used to have to do, the thing I know that you still do, which is hope. Oh, I hope I do. Oh, I really need one. I hope I do. Oh, it's been a long day. I hope I get a good night's sleep. Oh, I got a big day tomorrow. I hope I get a good night's sleep. Hope is done. Now you can have it, and it's right there in front of you with Sleep. And they're so comfortable, they're so confident that their product works, they let you try it 60 days risk-free. That is an absurd level of confidence, but it does work. Clinically validated. You lay down, you put your ebb sleep on your head, it calms down those racing thoughts and puts you asleep. Go to tryeb.com slash That's tryebb.com slash Jesse. Enter the code Jesse at checkout for 25 bucks off. Well, apparently, we're gonna have to elaborate on this more tomorrow because I didn't get to this today, but I do wanna get to this. You see, AOC, that idiot congresswoman from New York, she apparently got in some verbal tiff with some guy. Yo-ho, I don't know this guy. Whatever, she got in some verbal tiff with some Republican. And the rumor out of D.C. was he left or said it to her face or left her and called her, I think he called her a B-word or something like that. I don't remember exactly what he said. Whatever, it's it's okay. Two Congress people fighting. And AOC stands up. I'm going to get to this tomorrow. We're going to pull the audio for you, and I'm going to get to this tomorrow. And AOC stands up and gives some speech on the floor of the House of, I'm somebody's daughter. Just get ready for tomorrow's show because... Yes, it's a Friday. It's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, but I'm going to go off on this. Also, you can email me all your Ask Dr. Jesse questions. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. That's jessie at jessikellyshow.com. That's all.
2: Jesse Kelly Show.
1: You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Ah, it's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum. Sunflower seeds I, I tried it all it's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit that's Jake's mint chew go put in your dip just make sure it's Jake's mint chew it's tobacco free it's nicotine free it's even sugar free and I highly recommend just a personal choice I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off get a jake's mint chew.com that's Jake's mint chew.com make sure you use the promo code jesse at checkout when you do that you get 10 percent off hollywood is under siege from external forces the same hollywood that sold the american dream is now making nightmares a reality many major films make choices to appease the chinese communist party to be distributed in china join tiffany meyer an investigative reporter in hollywood takeover brought to you by the epic times where she reveals how the ccp exerts control over some major studios don't miss the most important documentary about hollywood yet for a limited time watch the first 10 minutes for free at hollywoodtakeover.com slash jesse